Oh, g'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, this morning, uh, do you reckon we'll get to keep our fuel tax cuts? Hmm, do you reckon they'll actually merge TVNZ and RNZ? Uh, do you reckon if you went to Sky City in Queenstown, uh, you'd be able to go to the buffet? And uh, how many people are there in the world now? How many? But before any of that, uh, is Labour's reaction to sort of bad polling and lots of criticism just a little bit childish? Just to confirm, the Prime Minister's lost his so-called communications touch. Yesterday's response to the TV3 poll uh, gave us a dose of the old panic, eh? I think the panic might have set in. The Grant Robertson burst over the weekend gave us the first clue. When you're the government, when you're in charge, you don't waste your time on the small players, the other guys. They waste their time on you. The fact he referenced National 19 times and Lux and a whole bunch is a very good sign for the Nats. I'd be flattered. Anyway, back to the Prime Minister. She will take the poll, apparently, with a grain of salt. No, she won't. And we all know she won't, hence the stupidity of the comment. If this was the first poll that had the government behind the others, then maybe. If you're arguing, oh, it's a rogue poll, maybe. But this has been a consistent trend for over a year now. Charted on a graph, it's as clear as day. Labour leads by a mile. You remember that? Labour leads by a bit less than a mile, and then a bit less, and then a bit less. Labour needs the Greens to govern. Then all of a sudden, Labour needs the Greens and the Maori Party to govern. Then Labour, no matter what combination they use, can't govern at all. The gap at the start then is minor. Now the gap is getting wider and larger and larger. It's all there. Multiple polls, multiple outlets, all telling the same sort of story. No one takes that with a grain of salt. What might have helped... I think they're terminal. But what might have helped is an acknowledgement that not all is good. They get it. They are listening. They're hearing. And maybe it is time to think about some of the things that are upsetting so many people. They tried the it's a tough time. It's a cost of living crisis. It's been a tough winter. That didn't work, of course. Humility might be their next step. They know, rightly or wrongly, there is stuff they can do that will at least give them a chance next year. The fact they're hopeless at delivery is beyond repair. But policy can be changed. But do they want to? Or are they too arrogant to swallow that particular pride? Taking it with a grain of salt is more the latter. And if that's the best shot she's got, well, it's her funeral. So, yeah, they've, they've kind of you know, resorted to name-calling and, you know, silly, immature retorts. So, it's, yeah, politics as usual, basically, isn't it? Uh, just while we're on, on that, what are they going to do about, the, uh, about tax, especially the fuel tax, which... Uh, we don't have to pay at the moment, but we are going to have to pay, or aren't we? Or what, what, What's happening there? Uh, part of the News Hub uh, poll that gave the government the bad news on, um, on Sunday, uh, we got 8 and 10 of us, 80% of us, support a tax-free threshold. That's gone against the government because, of course, the government don't want that. They can't afford it. I mean, it's ideal. I raised it on the program about a week ago, interestingly enough, and I said many countries do it. Your first, you know, whatever, ten, eleven, twelve thousand $12,000 is tax-free. Why we're taxing people who are earning nine, ten, eleven thousand $11,000, I've got no idea, but we do. But to get rid of that would be heinously expensive, especially given the economic situation we find ourselves in at the moment. So 80% of us want that. 80% of us, or 81.4% of us, turn out we want the, um, the... And this is the other thing I raised the other day. How you get yourself down a rabbit hole and you can't get out. So when the government goes, hey, 25 cents a litre off petrol, is that good? We go, yeah, sure it is. Thanks very much. I'm at the petrol pump the other day. I'm paying 3.06 for petrol. Add 25, it's 3.31 in reality. When and how... Does the government take that off? Because they've said, well, it's gone as of January. I think they've said it's gone as of January. Didn't Michael Wood say that? We've always said we wouldn't be able to extend it forever and a day. So that will uh, come to a conclusion uh, in January.
So I thought at the time, I thought, well, that's an interesting call to make because in January it's election year. In election year, do you honestly, and you heard Andrew earlier on, and oil's back up towards $100 a barrel, do you honestly want to say to people, sorry, um, 25 cents extra? Then he seemed to walk it back. Obviously, if we get into next year and there are new circumstances we need to consider, we consider those as they arise. We can't sort of, you know, cast ahead and predict exactly what's going to happen in February, March next year. So it's concrete until it's not concrete, then Adun yesterday. We will look again closer to the time of what energy prices are doing at that point in order to inform what our next steps are. Which is what I said all along. Once you go down the rabbit hole, once you give people free stuff, you can't take it back especially in election year. Yeah, it's interesting that Mike says you can't take it away. They took it away in Australia, and I don't see any civil wars going on there yet. Not that I'm saying that we need to do everything like we do in Australia. I've always said that. Hey, um, now, uh, there's those uh, staff shortages in Queenstown are still super bad. Uh, here's exactly how bad. I do apologise. I didn't get to this yesterday because we didn't have time, but this business of Sky City in Queenstown, this just gives you an indication of just how hopeless things are with immigration and jobs and labour in this country. Sky City is expecting they will have to shut its restaurant and bar. This is wild time in Queenstown. They will have to shut it for seven days a week. In other words, never going to open. Uh, It's all but impossible to attract new staff. We've got a pipeline that's fully dried up. That's their quote. We've got a pipeline that's fully dried up. We've had some overseas staff lined up for three or four months under the accredited employer work visa scheme. Still can't get them here due to the slowness of the immigration process. We thought COVID was going to be the challenge. COVID was a walk in the park compared to what's going on now. This is tough. This is challenging. This is draining. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, and it's going to get harder before it gets easier. As far as I'm concerned, the summer's going to be a nightmare. That's our tourism capital. That's one of the anchor projects, Sky City, and their restaurant Wild Time, in our tourism capital for the summer of tourism, they're not even open because they can't get labour and COVID was a walk in the park. How bad does it have to get, do you reckon? So would you still go to Sky City if you can't get a drink or a meal? It's not really the main attraction, is it? It's not the reason that I saw people queuing up outside the casino in Christchurch when I was there recently, at you know, before half an hour before opening, I don't think. Well, maybe it is. Maybe they do a really, really good um, panini, the cafe. I don't know. Hey, um, TVNZ and RNZ, uh, we sort of own both of them, uh, but we have to pay if we want to join them together. Is that how it works? Now, the trouble with the TVNZ-RNZ merger was that no one had truly explained the rationale for it, right? So a government with less than no money and a pile high of growing economic problems finds $380 million to merge two businesses it already owns. How do you explain that? Then the committees and the boards and the scoping and the consultants and Tracy Martin all babbling away on some ideological gobbledygook that literally no one gets. The industry itself, who understand their own industry, of course, they don't get it. A thousand submissions don't get it. There seems no point. But then leaked details, and this is the twist in the story, leaked details that has TVNZ losing $100 million in advertising a year that will then lead to the government subsidising this new unit to the tune of $200 million a year for decades to come. Willie... I know Broadcasting Jackson dismisses that because they were going to lose it anyway. Were they? What crystal ball are you using, Willie? Uh, The significance of the leak 
And the numbers, though, now puts this policy, i.e. the merger, in the realms of an election issue. See, up until now, my assessment has been that the merger in and of itself is not a thing that will swing a vote. I mean, yes, the industry is right to be concerned. Yes, it will have a material effect on the market. Yes, it's a gigantic mistake. But voters will mark them down on the economy, three waters, co-governance, crime, social housing before they vote against them merging Simon Dello with a bird call. But billions changes this game. Billions is being handed out as a result of taking a commercially successful company, i.e. TVNZ, and wrecking it, deliberately wrecking it, destroying its bottom line. What moron goes into a business, eyes wide open, to rip it apart, to make it worse, and then start writing checks? That is wanton commercial destruction. You could argue they've done that to the rest of the economy, of course, so it's a pattern. But the numbers have taken an already bad idea and made it catastrophic. That's the stuff that attracts attention and, of course, swings votes. Don't you reckon it would be better off if we just got rid of both of them and everybody just listened to News Talks with B and said we'd save people money? Just an idea, just throwing that out there. Uh, let's finish up by counting up everybody in the entire world. Mark it on your calendar, November 15. Uh, we're going to reach 8 billion people in the world. It's 2.5 billion in 1950. Here we are in 2022. November 15 is going to be 8 billion. The average life expectancy by 2050 is going to increase to 77 years. It's not much, is it, when you think about it? It's going to be 8.5 billion people by 2030, they think. 9.7 by 2050, 10.4 billion by 2080. Who the hell knows? If you're calling to Guterres, there won't be a world left then. Wow, 8 billion, eh? It's amazing. I listen to um, a couple of history podcasts or podcasts that make historical references, and it's amazing how often they talk about towns and cities from only, a, you know, sort of 100 to 200 years ago, and there were like 400 people in those cities. And now they're millions and millions, those same cities. We really should stop doing that. What, what, what do you reckon is the cause of all that, all those people? Where do they keep coming from? We'll look into it and get back to you. I'm Glenn ZB. That was the rewrap. We'll see you back here again for another one tomorrow. Stop, stop making more people all the time. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it.